When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and we are a podcast, as I mentioned, that gives you all the news of. Oh wow, that is possibly. The worst intro I've ever done, Ben. Ben, you're yeah. here. Yeah, I think think it probably I, was. Yeah. I had to give up on it halfway through. Yeah, and, and you've done some bad ones, if I'm honest, mate. You, yeah. That, you had that, it nailed for a bit, but I think basically after this break, it's uh, it's it's gone to pot, really, well, mate. Maybe maybe like a larger the amount of the uh, the Premiership squads. <laughs> um, it's just really not at the level it should be. Yeah, so, you're, uh, you're bringing your second team game to the podcast this week. I'm, I've got my A League intro yeah. this week, and I need to uh, I need to sharpen it up a little bit. Although for some teams, the A League the A League would beat most of the fucking first teams in the Premiership. <laughs> so uh, we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, we're also joined by uh, the Lensman. Welcome, yeah, then. the guy who's worked more hours than the Japanese prisoner of war. Just the, just, the 2000, just the 2,400 miles this month. Lovely stuff. Good good to be back, though, I bet. Even watching fucking Bang Average Rugby. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been um, it's been all right. Project Restart. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get into that in a minute. Um, Saints ain't got the memo, have they? <laughs> there's a few that haven't, mate. Uh, Quinns are another one, I think. Although they won, didn't they? See, yeah, they this... did a number on Saints, didn't they? They did. Um, but that was two very shit teams, or what I thought were it was, it, shit teams. But some of these sort of weakened teams have been like a really weird version of the out to help out, haven't they? <laughs> let's get into that then. Let, let's go. Let's go straight into the the whole squad rotation. I mean, like I said, there was there's been three there's been three rounds of Premiership action since we last spoke, which was only about eight or nine days ago on a on a Thursday night. Um, that weekend kicked off with Sale versus uh, Exeter on the Friday, if I remember rightly. And um, was that a Friday night game, Sale-Exeter? I can't even remember what's going on now. This is going to be the worst podcast in history. <laughs> Either way. Would you like me to find we, you some We facts? must have five or six of the top ten of those. <laughs> especially especially in the category of west country rugby podcasts yeah that was that was friday the 21st which <laughs> there which, we go which feels like a long time ago now feels like a hell of a long time ago yeah. and that yeah, friday I mean, that, that was, was the my... early game as well wasn't it yeah. yeah i mean i'm minded to to say that we don't really talk about it like i think all the games have been sort of done to death I'd almost say that we need to sort of address where this is all leading to. I wonder if it's just worth, as a non-Exeter fan, 
just to to say how well Exeter have have done in the last fortnight or so in that they've they've had three very different tests and and they've kind of passed them all with flying colors really you know they that first game against sale where um you know they're up against um one of the most competitive sides in the league away from home that had already beaten them and then were being quite soundly beaten at half time and then they just came out and turned it on really and 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 had a fairly comfortable win by the end of it and then they went away to a decent side with their reserve team and still scraped a win in probably what was the best game since we've come back. And then this weekend, finally put their main team out and absolutely asked Worcester into next week. So, you know, it's three different tests and they've passed them all. So I think really we know... They're teeing themselves, up nicely, teeing themselves yeah. up nicely for a final defeat to Bristol, aren't they? Well, yeah, they almost are really, but it was a bit of a statement of intent that, wasn't it? Taking, you know, Bristol... There's a bit of hype about them, and they went up there and um, whacked them with a bunch of kids, basically. What I find, what I find strange, or I mean, not just about Exeter, but about the whole squad rotation thing and the way that different teams are approaching it. Because if you take Bristol, for example, they put out what you would probably consider as their strongest available fifteen maybe one or two positions here and there against that Exeter team who went completely the other direction. And you could say, well, Exeter are going, well, Bristol are going to be potentially our closest rivals. So we'll let them have a, a home semi-final almost, or we'll, we'll mail it in against you because then you're more likely to have a home semi-final and we can see you in the final. Yet they go to, to Ashton Gate and Phil Dolman makes semi Rajrada look like a cart horse for the first half and uh, all is well with the world. But Bristol, on the other hand, take a second team to their closest rivals in sale at the weekend and end up on the, on the, on the, uh, on the wrong end of a, of a basically a dry reaming. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, to some degree, if you've put your main team out a couple of times in a row, you haven't really got much choice, but it's interesting which games you pick for it, isn't it? I mean, you know, Exeter, I, I don't know. I just think they they fancied their style of play against Bristol. Like Bristol remind me a little bit of um, Wasps from a few years back in that when they when everything goes right for them, they, they're pretty much unplayable, but they're not uh, heavyweight enough to, to be on top all of the time. And they are beatable by what you might call a more boring side. You know, your, your Exeters or an, an old old school sort of Northampton side or an old school Saracen side, you know, that it, if all the stars align for Bristol and, and they can get their rugby going, then, you know, they could beat anyone on their day, but on another day, they could be rolled over a little bit. I, I think we should put to bed the fact that Exeter put out a second team for that Bristol game. I I'm not, I don't agree with that at all. Why do you say that? Dolman well, playing club, in the centre with Hendrickson. Mate, mate. Hepburn, Yendall, Francis, Dennis Skinner, Kirsten Armand. Dennis Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a brutal, he's a brutal back rower. Um, <laughs> played on the left wing, didn't he? He did, yeah. <laughs> well played. Um, O'Flaherty, Woodburn, Steenson, 
Hidalgo Klein. They're not, they're not mugs, mate. No, that's a, that's the kind of team where any one of those players coming in, if they came into the team for Exeter, you wouldn't be worried about them. Having all fifteen together is is it's, it's definitely not their strongest side for sure. Um, but it's still a team of good players. Still a team that finished second or third in the Premiership. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and they're a system team anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. It's it's puzzle pieces, isn't it? People come yeah. in and do the job that they're there yeah, to do. Very much so, yeah. Whereas just... you take you take Radrada out of the Bristol team and put in, I don't know, pay Piers O'Connor at 13, and you take um, uh, Piertau out and put... Uh, Owen Lloyd, Owen Lloyd, young lad Lloyd, who scored a lovely try, but he's not Charles Piertau. And they look they look a completely different outfit, don't they? And he got marmalised by Ran Rensberg in the last game, didn't he? Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's not the first, and he won't be the last to be no. marmalised by Van Rensberg. He's done a few trips to the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> it was um it was interesting to see the lad Hodge at fullback that they signed from Newcastle. He was uh he was keen to run it back, wasn't he? He was. Uh, he he looked excited. Um, but uh, we should probably uh, mention Billy Keast scoring the winning try as well. Absolutely, Nuki, a, a Nuki Hornet, Billy yeah. Keast, nonetheless, uh, go well. He's yeah scoring the winning try in that game would have been uh, probably the highlight of his career. They're loving it, loving the old tap and goes Exeter as well, aren't they? It's, it's yeah. made a real big comeback, hasn't it? Several teams have been doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's because it's essentially you get a free run at the line at a stationary defence. Yeah, it's it's amazing that nobody does it. People haven't done it more. Um, well, and it's got a lot less risk than a a scrum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or, or a line out for that matter. Yeah, um, yeah. especially when. For, again, we seem to gravitate back to Exeter for a minute, but especially when a lot of Exeter's power game is concentrated on those fringe rucks. And... Well, yeah, and, and you're guaranteed to be two and a half metres out. If and you know, and if you get a good with, with penalty advantage, more often than not. Yeah, and and if you get a good, you know, a good result, and Karen Dickey in particular is very good at getting low um, and getting an extra couple of yards. You know, you you can be within a yard quite quite easily and it it's it's catching on isn't it i noticed um wasps have done it quite a bit as well yeah and one of the games i i saw on saturday i think it might have been um quins gave it a go as well um yeah i mean it's it's a good tactic and and Doug's right it's it's slightly odd it's not caught on before so with three with three rounds that we've played in the last week or so, then where 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 do you see Project Restart going? How how has it how has it grabbed you as a as a spectacle? Obviously, Doug, I know you've been travelling around a lot, working at a lot of these games midweek and, and weekend. Um, where where is it leading? Well, who who's getting anything out of watching Worcester Warriors A League team get pumped by Exeter's first team, or London Irish's youth team or A League team getting pumped by Saracens? Who's getting anything out of that? And then you look at players that potentially can get injured in those games. Who was it that went off at the weekend? Uh, um, Saris. Somebody went off with a with a shoulder injury. For for what? For what? What good? 
you know, L- London Irish aren't going to make the European Cup. Saracens are already relegated. What What's the point? Genuinely, what's the point? It, it does make you wonder why why they've taken this decision to shoehorn in the rest of the Premiership season when they could have potentially drawn a line under it, knowing that everyone's had this break and just started a new season or just gone straight into the playoff. Just it's, straight into the playoffs. It's nuked Saints season because they've they've just come back undercooked. It's almost like I feel like they look like they didn't believe the season was ever going to start again, so they haven't really bothered. Just mailing it in, and, there, uh, and there's a few, a few like that. Yeah, Worcester I mean, couldn't care less. I don't think Irish could care less. Um, well, especially because there is no consequence for them. If no. there was a consequence of relegation, you can kind of understand it, but there, is, there isn't any. There's no financial implications really to speak of. I, I, I'm not sure what the the money is in difference between the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. I guess there is some financial distribution from PRL based on position you finish in the league, but I can't imagine it's it's a massive amount. And with or with the fact that nobody's playing in front of any people, so they're not getting any revenue over the um over the turnstiles. It it all seems it just it does still seem a little bit strange. I, I, I don't get what the point of these sort of like it's great for me personally, but I don't get what the the point of having these hybrid games that just fulfill a fixture. I think if they were gonna if they were gonna do the midweek stuff, it should have been done in a way where a team would play and have a five-day gap. You could have done it. Instead of having a seven-day gap, every team could have had a five-day gap and feel, and played the same amount of fixtures. Yeah. I, I don't... Yeah, and, and then they could play their best teams. It just... To me, it seems counterproductive because a lot of the rugby has been shit. So... Yeah. Not that I care I mean... about new people coming in to watch the game. I couldn't give a toss, really, but... You know, there's no. I mean, watching Saints has has been a thoroughly unpleasant experience. Just they don't look interested when they do fling the ball about. They're they're just there's no fluidity. There's no. They're playing without consequence. They're playing without fear, and doing stupid things. You there there are so many. Penalties like thirty penalties a like there must be it must be averaging over twenty penalties a game since we came back right yeah it's got uh, I haven't seen the statistics but the, yeah it has to be. I, I mean it, it must it, be great for all those Twitter noises that are always going on about policing the rucks because now they're getting the game that they deserve they're getting this game which is basically you know three phases then a penalty and it's a penalty under the sticks under your own sticks usually for somebody trying to compete for a turnover kicks a halfway line out, more penalty, kick to the 22, turnover, and then rinse and repeat. And it's just basically 60-yard territory gains in penalties until somebody scores a a rumble over try. And then every now and again, you'll get a a shit kick from a fullback that goes straight down someone's throat, a bit of broken field play and a long-range try. There's just no... there's, There's no... There just seems to be no artistry to the game. It's just so prescribed and so over-officiated and, and over-coached 
and it, yeah, I, I'm just not enjoying the rugby at the moment. I think it's been roundly do, terrible. The whole, th- all of it. Do we think like um, it is going to improve, and it's almost not if they I, keep I, refereeing the game the way they're doing it. They're, Cause, they're... Cause I, I think there were less penalties this weekend. There seemed to be. Um, I've done I disagree with that. Zero research on that, so you could well be right. But you know, I, I did think it was probably better just to go straight to the playoffs. But maybe if they can get the terrible games out of the way when people aren't. I mean, I. I don't really, I, I don't really care about the rest of this season. I've got to say, um, you know, maybe they'll get that out of the way, and then when the new season starts or the playoffs start, then maybe it'll be, maybe slightly improved. Am I just an optimist? I think so. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the way they're, the way they're refereeing the ruck, I don't see how that improves because the, the majority of the time the players are completely bemused, and what. The, the smarter teams, and when I say smarter teams, Saracens and Exeter, just aren't competing at the breakdown. Well, They're just not doing it. Steve Diamond said that, didn't he? He um, he said in the commentary that they were only allowing the Curries and the Hooker to, to compete because he said it was too much of a risk for anyone else to, to try well, and... But when it becomes too much of a risk in rugby to try and compete for the ball, you're not playing rugby. You're playing scoreball. We're just going to keep doing multiple phases until you either commit a penalty or we knock it on. Or we commit a penalty, for God's sake. (laughs) It's not even like attacking teams have got any sort of control over what goes on in the rucks. So, to me, it's not... You're taking the essence of the game away, really, by the, the whole point of the game is the competition for the ball, right? And it, and if head coaches are saying it's too risky to compete for the ball, then you've just basically got 15-man rugby league. Yeah, there, there, there's no there's no getting away from that, and there's also no getting you, away. You from can the thank fact. you can thank all the Twitter noises for banging on about breakdowns. The, you know, the I'm problem sure is, they're loving it. I'm sure they're absolutely loving it because no, I mean, little it, Timmy's head's not going to get stoved in at the <laughs> old mundanians. I mean, it's... <laughs> I think the break's done Wasps a favour, isn't it? Because you've got um, it gave them a bit longer to knit because they'd had a lot of changes anyway, and and then it suits their back row. You know, your Thomas Youngs and and the Will and and well, both Willises really, but you know, the, the slightly increased pressure on the breakdown kind of suits them. And like that, the Bath game, once it went to uncontested scrums and it sped up then it kind of played into their hands, really, didn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and, and they've, like Doug says, Northampton have come out quite sluggishly from the break, but Saints, in, uh, Wasps in particular, it seems to have done them quite a lot of good. Um, you could probably say even Bath to a degree, even though they've, they've lost lost that game, they've not looked too bad since they've come back. Um, I mean, their pack is looking pretty decent and, and that sort of lack of uh, set piece in that game probably didn't do them a lot of favours at all. It's just... You've got to ask yourself the question of who and why that... Ask yourself two questions. How and why? <laughs> <laughs> why are they doing it and who are they doing it for? 
because a lot of the lot of the teams are mailing this in. Look, but, that that Gloucester game on uh, on Sunday, forty six thirty, was literally as you described, Doug, an an end to end game of nobody really competing anywhere and glorified touch. Well, it, yeah, and it it showed it showed as well the the problem with putting out a complete team of kids or, or journey, you know, journeymen and kids because Leicester looked terrible until they brought Ford and Youngs on and then, uh, and, and the eight that came on as well. And then once they had the decision makers with the youngsters playing around them, they suddenly looked better. And then Gloucester went the other way as people went off and they replaced them with less experienced players. And, and it it just shows, you know, the value of, of having your controllers at nine, ten and eight, I guess. But if but if those it, two it teams but, but it shows the value of picking a team that can compete at that level. Well of course, yeah, that was what I was gonna say. It it would have been better for everyone if they picked three teams in three games running that were roughly the same level of competitiveness I, rather I think than... it's just finding out a lot of directors of rugby because Russ you've coached a football team at low level right yeah what you do you pick your spine don't you and then you pick then you put your shitters around the spine if if you if if that's the sort of shit you've got to work with then yeah you you make yourself you try and make yourself as solid as possible before you yeah. then try and so, if, if you've expensive. got five great players and they all want to play centre forward, you say, I don't care if you want to play centre forward. Two of you are playing centre mid and two of you are playing up front. Yeah. And the other one, yeah. and, and the one that can head the ball is playing centre half. Exactly. You build a spine. So for me, Gloucester, if they pick Danny Cipriani, Atkinson, Ackerman, um, Ludlow, and any other combination of players, they're going to compete. If they don't pick Lud, if they don't pick Cipriani, pick twelve trees. If you don't pick Ludlam, pick um, who's the other big fella? You know what I mean? Pelledri. Yeah. Don't pick all of them at once because then you're going to throw away a game. Surely it's yeah. better to to compete and maybe lose a couple of games than just throw Let- one completely away. With the chance of... Yeah. Well, Gloucester's team against Leicester on Saturday, or Sunday, should I say, they had uh, Cipriani, Simpson and Cipriani, Johnny May, 12 Trees, Chris Harris, Ollie Thorley, Jason Woodward. Arguably, they're... Take Billy 12 Trees for Mark Atkinson, maybe, or Atkinson at 13. You could, you know, argue that fact. And up front, they had Rapava Ruskin, Singleton, Balmain... Slater, Garvey, Ackerman, Ludlow, and Pelledri. You know who they were playing against? You know who that pack was playing against? Let me know who of these players you actually recognise. Ryan Bauer, Charlie Clare, Joe Hayes, Thomas Lavanini, Blake Enever, Oliver Chesham, Tom Smith, Jordan Coughlin. Coughlin. Uh, I have never... Lavanini and Clare. Other than Lavanini, I really haven't really heard about 
any of those other players. At nine, they had Jack Van Port Vilt. Which is no knock on those players, by the way. No, because, no. You know, but but they shouldn't be playing a Premiership away match at, at Gloucester. That's a, that is a that is a direct issue based on what the firstly zero consequence for doing so, and yes, because you know they've got to to manage their players and the workload and all these games come thick and fast and whatever. However, do you think they would be working in such a way had Saracens not been out of sight and they had to? survive in the league do you think they would be mailing it mailing it in the way that they are and this this isn't just a a dig specifically at Leicester well they, they, kind, of, they kind of got what they wanted didn't they 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 looked at away at Bath and away at Gloucester and just decided okay well we'll we'll go full belt for London Irish and they got their points against London Irish but I don't think if well, what you does were, it matter Ben what yeah, does it matter but, because ultimately it, it Leicester are not going to make top six for um, was unlike well they got twenty four points and Northampton have got forty points and there's five games left. Yeah, You're well, not telling me that Tigers are going to are going to make it into sixth place. Well, what what I was thinking really is that they they wouldn't have done it. I don't think if like you say if the um, you know league status was in. Um, in doubt because you you couldn't a you 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 probably wouldn't have got so much charity from Gloucester um, and also you know a, a, if you risk a real pasting that sets you back but also they'd have had a crowd and and you you wouldn't you wouldn't put teams out like that in front of you in front of supporters even if it's away from home and and if if prem cup sides it's embarrassing yeah. it's like. If it was in the Premier League, everyone would be up in arms saying you need to find this club because they're bringing a game into disrepute. Yeah. yeah, you know when they when they play kids against Rochdale mm. in the FA Cup, and and there should be no reason for doing it because if they're only allowed to play a certain amount of minutes a week, then you put your first team out for forty five minutes and see where you are at half time. Yeah, see what I mean? Because I think they can play two. It... They can play two games, can't they, a week? In a in a in a in a week, so if for example you're Leicester and you're getting pumped at half time, just bring everyone off, bring all your top players off at half time. You fought forty minutes. That it does it doesn't matter. But you're basically you you're walking into a game with the opposition's dick already up your ass. Just what's the point? Well, you, the 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 team you're playing will already know your intention based on the selection twenty four hours before the before the match. I mean, yeah, but, but you can't. The problem is you can't react accordingly. Like you have to pick your team based on what your plan is. So if you then get to a position where it's like, oh fuck me, Leicester have put out sixteen. They've got sixteen A League players on their team. You can't then adjust your team to account for that. I'm waiting for the day where I see 14 enforced warm-up changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the option, isn't it? You get like if I was if I was Saracens yesterday and you saw that London Irish lineup, I'd have been right. Marrow bench, mind you, they they were using that as uh, a, a warm-up 
basically basically an enhanced captain's run. Yeah. Like a captain a heavy captain's run. I mean it's quite village, isn't it, when you've got a second row scoring a first half hat trick. It's like it's village that in, in three games at the weekend there was bonus point tries by thirty minutes into yeah. a game. And you thoroughly scored what four tries in about four, four tries in minutes. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, I mean, if that happened in the Pro Fourteen, you'd be laughing at them. Yeah, you you would. And so, so it feels like some of these sides would would struggle in National League rugby. Yeah, against against Ealing or Bedford should, or whatever. We should probably say again, it's no criticism of the players and and you know that have that have gone out and played. Um, yeah, well, they're they're obviously part of a, a grand scheme and a plan, but the the whole point is they shouldn't all be playing in the team together at the same time in the uh, Premiership. Half of half of Irish's players were dual registered last season, or this at the start of this season. You know, I don't know who this fella is. That what, where have Gloucester got this fly off from? Um, what's his what's his name? Uh, Bear with me. Lloyd Evans. Where has this Lloyd Evans come from? Absolute pony. I mean, I'd fancy my I would fancy my chances of folding him up. <laughs> it just I mate, I don't know. He he looks like he looks like anything other than a rugby player and plays like it. I mean, Leicester, I think Leicester have used four different fly halves in, in the last week and a half. Zach mm. Henry, Johnny McPhillips, Tom Hardwick, uh, George Ford. And and I don't mean to just pick on Leicester. It's not necessarily their fault. It's just... Oh, my it's... God. Leicester literally had a player called Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't you a wing, he wasn't you a wing wizard. Up, can you? you can't make it up. Harry fucking Potter. And also, I noticed a minute ago that uh, Worcester had both Montgomery and Kitchener in the pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that takes us into an entirely different direction. So, more over the top podcast. More over the what? They, they had um, they had Colonel H Jones at, um, <laughs> at number nine as well, didn't they? Oh, and they had Hurl at eleven and Searle at ten. Oh, Billy Sell. Billy Sell. You're not having Billy Sell. I, I mean, I feel, you know... Uh, Billy Sell's played for Cornwall. I'm having not, no, for nothing Cornwall. said against yeah. him. And he's a lovely lad. I'm sure um, he... Mate, I'm not disputing the fact that he's a lovely lad. I'm disputing the fact that he should be playing in the Premiership. Yeah. I mean, he was at Wasps, then he? he went from Bristol to Wasps and now to Worcester. And, uh Yeah. We'll we'll just leave that there, I think. But um, well, the trouble is we can't. I say we, the royal we, the the wider we. Until this sort of weird season comes to an end, is anybody going to really take it that seriously? Do you think, come the end of it, when we're in a potentially a an Exeter and a another in the final? And all the other teams go, ah, oh, well, you know, we just mailed it in. So uh, enjoy your, your asterisk next to your fucking, next to your name, like the, the Saracens would call it. Or 
there would always been an asterisk there anyway because of what happened with Saracens. I think this season was pretty much a write-off once that happened. And, you know, so... Well, it does and it been... doesn't because, it, I mean, if Exeter win the league, then the fact that Saracens weren't there and cheating, it makes up for it a little bit. They're probably going to win two premierships, which kind of makes up for the ones that Saracens cheated for. Have you heard the... Uh... I say the some Twitter noises again. Um, there was a lot of rumblings and Exeter to put that team out against uh, Bristol, and everyone said, "Oh, it's the second team." Yeah, but look at the second team. How are they still managing to find the underneath the salary cap? And it's like, fuck's sake, let it go. Every every team has has had to do their bits to to prove that they're not breaking it. Exeter aren't investing in coffee companies or um, high-class agencies or um, any other secondary businesses with, with players. And I'm not accusing any player of running a high-class agency um, of any, of any description. Uh, um, let me tell you how Exeter has done it. They've got lads who work bloody hard and they've got a coach who's instilled a system and a, and a way of playing. Um, and they just get complete and utter buy-in from everyone. Yeah, and 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 the other thing is, a lot of them are youngsters, aren't they? So, you know, they do move people on when they, um, you know, people like Sam Hill and the the chap, the, the lad whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, Quins. Yeah, you know, and 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 a lot of the older players they've got have been sort of cast off a little bit from elsewhere, and like Doug says, they've bought into it. You know, someone like, um, what's the winger called? Cuthbert. O'Flaherty. Cuthbert Woodburn. Woodburn was the one I was thinking of. But all three of them, you could say of... of... But then you th- you look at you look at Ollie Woodburn as an example. And he was never, he never lit shit up at Bath, did he? He was always, he was like, well, oh, seems a bit of a strange move. And since he went to Exeter... He slotted into their system and their way of playing, and was thoroughly successful. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I he, think he could be on, he could be on a, a fairly fairly modest contract. The that's same as the same as someone yeah. the same as someone like Oli Devoto, for instance. Or, um, you know, I, I can't imagine like Oli Devoto's contract is massive, but he's a he's a very good yeah. solid and, player. And, and they're they're bringing they've got just sort of a conveyor belt of youngsters as well. So, you know. I guess, and I I wonder if they do get a bit of a nice place to live discount as well on some of these contracts because I I was at a game um, where um, one of the Salvi spoke after the game, yeah, and it was pretty obvious that he didn't like living in Leicester and much preferred living in South. Well, Devon. do you remember? Do you remember you when? Know, so... Do you remember when we were chatting to Jeff Parlin at that? thingy of a yeah. in London and he basically said exactly the same he was like well I spoke to Julian Salvi and we were good mates at Leicester and uh, he said oh it's a great place to live really like it so uh, we went we went down there yeah I think so so why don't we um, turn it on the head and try and be a little bit positive for once and um, like seems seems odd any, any players that have actually done themselves a bit of good since we've come back of enhanced their reputations at all well you you start then you've you might must have some in mind well willis is the obvious example um but i i was impressed with don brandt and i thought mike brown played really well 
in the last game. Um, um, I thought, I, I, from what I've seen, Don Brandt's been quite quiet. He put that pass in for following that Brown break for the for the Quinns, one of the Quinns tries. But if it feels like Don Brandt's been, he's not been his sort of his well, destructive self. He, he offloaded for the other try, the other try that Brown started with the tap penalty. Um, and he just he just straightens the line very well. I, I, and but he's got good hands. He's not quite as bulky as I remembered. Seems to get around the pitch a bit better. Um, so I, yeah, I, I I hadn't seen a lot of him up to this point really. So I was quite impressed with him. I thought um, there was a lad, Olafella. Olu. Yeah, Olafella. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. I thought he showed a lot of promise for Saints. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of players. Hodge and Hendricks played well for Exeter when they came in. Um, and, and probably Leicester are quite pleased with how their youngsters have gone, really, because when they were given a bit of a chance against Gloucester, they some of them played quite well. And also, they didn't get completely blown away by Bath either. So, you know, I think for individuals... Um, coming back is a good thing. Some of them have probably done their international chances no harm, but in terms of a spectacle, it's not really there yet. Doug, of all the the live rugby you've watched, has anybody really caught your eye? Um, Both the Willis, I guess. Um, Other than that, no. I think there's been just so much... Just, just wading through knee deep shit to try and find, you know, a little hot dog at the end. The curries have, curries have both played well, haven't they? As well. Um... Johnny, uh, Johnny Hill is has been very good, not just because of his hat trick, but um, Johnny Gray. All the games that obviously Johnny Gray since his move down from from Scotland, he has been exceptional. Oh, Sam, yeah, sorry, Sam Lewis for Worcester. I mean, he's always brilliant, but he's been fantastic. I've said, I think I've done three Worcester games, and he's been great. Luke, uh, Luke James for sale. And not, and not the, and not the. You probably wouldn't pick Luke James ordinarily, would you? Like with all of the the raft of um, South Africans they've got there. Are you sure it's not Luke Do James or D James? <laughs> James De Luke. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Um any anything else? Caught your eye any other any other rugby related? No, we're gonna we've got the European stuff coming back. See Lazowski has been playing for, for Montpellier, isn't he? Um Oh um yeah, Glo- Gloucester's kit's an absolute hate crime. Which one? The new home one? Yeah. It's not very cherry and white, is it? No, it's red. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's red um, with white piping. Yeah, it's crap. Uh, you know, you know, Exeter could uh, win a bit of public sympathy back. Yeah. Go to blue, white, and black hoops. White and black. I mean, blue, blue, white, and black hoops. That like would they be. should be. I found a an old Southwest Comms jersey. It was light blue with dark blue. Uh, hoops, yeah, which was one I found in my give the uh... people what they want extra. Um, while we're talking about extra, seems like we've done that quite a bit. But we had a tweet 
today from Alex Sargent, who's a long-time listener, um, who wanted us to discuss uh, Will Whitty. Was he, was he one of your favourites at Newcastle, Will Whitty? Was it Will Welsh? Will Welsh at well, uh, Newcastle. Yeah, the, one um, of my favourite second rows of all time when him and, uh, him and Don Barrow were playing up there. But Will, Will Whitty uh, has got a new haircut and I can't find it. But, um, yeah, so it was described... Yeah, who was it on comms? Might have been... Um, who's the fella that did that commentary on people during the... Oh, Nick Heath. Uh, Nick Heath. Um, yeah, he asked. He didn't really know what he asked for when he went when he went in. And you know, you'd normally ask for a short back and sides. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. It was the short top and sides. <laughs> so just, sure. left, just left the back. Problem is, oh. if you put if you put witty into um, a search, you just get that doctor, the uh, yeah chief medical officer. I mean, he's <laughs> Chris, Chris he's very much got a, a short top and sides as well. Yeah. It's short top and sides. Um yeah. I don't get rugby, but like I get their lads, lads, lads and all that. But it's like I said about Jack Goodhue. When he's seventy years old sitting in a wheelchair explaining like pissing himself, explaining to his great grandkids about how he played for the All Blacks, all they're gonna ask him is why he looked like a twat while he was doing it. <laughs> so so Jack, uh you know Let's not talk too much about your career. Why did, <laughs> yeah. why did you persist with having such a shit lid? Yeah, you had, I had 80, you 80 had the... black caps, yeah, great, great grampy. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, but great grampy, what, what, um, why did you look like a bell end for all of them? Ah, uh, because, you know, lads, 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 banter. Why did you have a moustache and a, and a mullet? Yeah. There yeah. you go. And, um, and, and do you know, you don't have to look very far to find um, sort of evidence of how that eventually pans out because Kevin Peterson still gets it to this yeah. day. For the even uh, even Jimmy, I mean, there's been a lot of um, lot of talk about Jimmy Anderson over the last week or so with his 600 Test wickets, but people still refer back to his first Test wicket when he had a um, a red streak in his hair. Yeah, disgraceful. And, and 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 like a volumizing perm, <laughs> yeah. Added depth and volume. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, right. Any anything else? I, I'm I'm feeling. Like, I feel like I'm struggling to get through any rugby related. Uh, any rugby related news? No, I just think we, we. You know, let's keep it short and sweet. Give the people what they want. They want to hear us talk. They 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 miss us, Russ. They do. There, which is there, there are sixty-three people out there that are going to really <laughs> enjoy this. So, <laughs> um, well, if it gets them through the day, if you want, if you want, you know, proper analysis about the games, Egg Chase is a podcast in what every sixteen hours at the moment. So, yeah, you probably ought to go to a podcast that's actually watched some of them. Yeah, if you want, if you want to find out and listen to some nauseating lad banter, go and listen to old Tubbs and the lanky bloke. Um, and if you want to be bored out of your mind and probably have a seizure, go and listen to Stephen Jones. Here's, here's a question for you. Like, um, who saw the, the Canterbury advert for the Ireland kit? This should, this should create some opinion. Have you seen it? Have you seen I've the tweets? I've got an opinion for you. <laughs> this, this may shock you. Um, 
so Ireland launched their new kit, which, by the way, is obviously green. Yeah. Um, Finally, but, but they used they used three international men players to uh, to represent the the male version, and then just three random uh, Freemans catalog models. I assume they're Freemans. Uh, could be Little Woods. Um, <laughs> other catalogs are other, other catalogs are available to to to, to display or advertise the ladies uh, or the women's shirt, should we say? Um, and it, it kicked off a little bit. Uh, yeah, because of nauseating fucktards. Okay, yeah. I really don't, you know, they, they Ireland could use um, a pregnant walrus to show me their kit. They could do the shot with, you know, you know how they get everyone to sort of stand. Let me see if I can demonstrate it on, on the Skype so you can sort of see it, but how they sort of stand and look down at the camera like that. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. Get the, get the pregnant walrus to do that. Get another, I mean, if they want to get a male walrus in, just get, so you can, you know, so that the gender is specified, get him to have his bollocks out. I don't care. Does, just, does it have to be an international rugby player walrus? Uh, no, it doesn't even need to be that. Cause that's, you know, other walruses do exist. So any old walrus, get them in, stick them in an Island shirt. Put it on Sports Direct. Let's go. 70 quid. Thanks. It does just feel about people getting outraged for the sake of being outraged, doesn't it? Did you see um, Adele got accused of fucking cultural appropriation because, I mean, this is any other business territory, really, but she got accused of um, cultural appropriation because she wore a Jamaica bikini and put her hair in those tight little bunch things all over the top of red. I, I don't yeah. even know what they're called, but I can't do can... it. I can't do it, mate. My head, I, my, the can, big can, vein can, in my head will pop. Can we just stop talking about Adele on a rugby podcast? That's <laughs> probably a good idea. Um, I just tried to, I just tried to, it's avoid not the most divergent change. subject from rugby we've ever come. We've ever, no, it's not even in the top five. <laughs> Adele in a Jamaica bikini is is pretty rugby adjacent to some of the things we talk about. <laughs> but but sometimes the things we talk about are interesting, and that just isn't. Um, yeah. To be to be fair, I think if you're going to do a rugby kit launch, you might as well put rugby players in it. And I suppose if you are if you've got 15 women's rugby players handy, you might as well put them in the kit rather than hiring some. Got clothes horses from elsewhere, but again, it is just a kit launch, and you know, there's a green kit. Please yeah. buy it. It's yeah. not really, you know, it, it'd be more of an issue if they took their funding away from youth let, rugby for both boys and girls, or just from girls, or something like you that. You mean like the RFU? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you know, bigger, why is the bigger issue not here? Give us give us eighty pounds for a t-shirt we've made out of recycled ocean plastic bottles, and we'll pay. We'll take all the profits we get from that to pay some um, committee member to make bad decisions. Yeah, and then all, all and, that's and been and made by children some, in the Congo. Yeah, and also to make some uh, pay pay for some management consultants to sack a load of people that are actually rugby relevant. I mean, uh, did we actually did we actually ever talk about the the, the sevens programs across the 
British Isles basically just being chucked in the bin a year out from the Olympics that we're supposed to have this year. <laughs> I don't, do we think that that's permanent? Or do we think, because I'm I'm of the mind that that's not going to be a permanent thing. They've done it because realistically you can't have a World 7 Series at the moment. So what's the point of keeping those players on retainers? They're not going to be playing any rugby, so they might as well release them from those contracts, scrap the Sevens program until the World Sevens comes back, and then let players like Dan Norton and this lad that's gone to Saracens and um, Oliver Feller and all those other lads that are, are now with Premiership and Championship clubs, let them go and earn a crust doing that and actually playing rugby than being Sevens players that can't do anything. Have they said that, though? Have they said... I don't think is... they're probably clever enough to have said that. If they'd have said that, then probably people wouldn't people would go oh yeah that, that probably makes sense but i don't i think they've just said oh no we've axed the sevens program because realistically the new series of the sevens starts in january right with hong yeah, kong i think so yeah well that ain't gonna happen so and if that doesn't happen then that's another year that there's going to be no sevens so you, what are you going to do pay 15 20 blokes to be sevens players when you could save that money short term, get them out, get some club to pay them the money and then reestablish the program 18 months, two years down the line. That's, um, that's a worryingly sensible and nuanced view you've got there, Doug. Cheers, mate. It's not, it's not really part of this podcast, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think that's best case scenario, isn't it? And it does make a certain amount of sense. I mean, if, if, but why not just say that, you know? Yeah. I mean, if these players can get, I don't know, what, how many games could they play between now and January? Eight, nine, ten, maybe. You know, that's got to be better than doing some vague training in the hope that the sevens will start sometime in the future. So, you know, maybe that is a good thing. I mean, it is a shame about the Olympics, and I don't know how that will pan out. But well, then Fiji the, would probably have won it by a country mile anyway. Yeah, so. Look. All, all they'll do is the Great Britain Olympics team isn't funded by the RFU. That's funded by a central body, right? And if you look at the sevens team that played in the last Olympics, they picked Sam Davies. Yeah. Sam Davies, is that right? The Welsh guy. Yeah, it sounds Welsh. Uh, John Davies's brother. Yeah. Yeah. They They picked players who had never played sevens. So it, it can be a completely independent thing. I don't see why that would be funded by any of the nation's governing bodies. So, yeah, I I think that those players that were, would have been picked for the Olympics will probably get picked for an Olympic sevens. They've already qualified, so they're already going. I don't know. It just seems like a cost-cutting measure because maybe they just don't think the sevens is going to happen for a while and i and i for one probably would say that that's highly likely just because of the logistics that go into it you're going from you know they had if you just look at the north american swing they go from usa to canada and then they go then there's a women's tournament in Canada and then they go from Canada to South Africa. South Africa's got one of the biggest COVID problems in the world at the moment. You know, yeah. I don't know why they haven't said that. That's just what I would assume that 
they're, they're going to save if there's no sevens for two years, I'll probably save close to a million quid, if not more. So like a lot of, so like a lot of these then maybe just a little bit of uh, foresight and honesty about actually, this is what we think is going to happen. And this is why we're doing it as opposed to just going, ah, yeah, we'll just fuck it off. See you later lads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what, you know, JP Dawes made redundant. JP Dawes not said anything. So everyone just sort of jumped to the conclusion that sack, they've sacked JP Dor, but that, that I can't, I can't believe that that guy would just be let go. But I can very much believe that the RFU would handle it very, very badly and make it seem like a worse situation than it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds that sounds very familiar. Yeah. It would be just I mean, like the, 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 biggest, the, the, the biggest thing they could do to improve their relationship with the rugby public is just to say we're cutting the England players' wages by 10 grand a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they'd still play for England. It's not like they go, oh, well, no, I'm not playing for England now. Yeah, what do they get? Something like 25 20, grand a game. 25 grand a game or something, yeah. So, so yeah, let's, let's just take those 23 people that are going to be in that matchday squad and reduce it by 10 grand over what they got, the Six Nations games and a few, is there any autumn? I doubt there's any um, like proper autumn internationals. I didn't even know that, but that's £230,000 a game. Yeah. Just 10 grand, lads. I think you'll be fine. These are, yeah. this, these are the cuts we're making. Um, if you don't want to play because of that, that, uh, that cut, then uh, let it be known and we won't pick you because we'll find some people that will play. Yeah. No, no I, I can tell no you the drama. first person to say he wouldn't play would be, and that for me would be one of the greatest things to come out of all of this. And that'd be Joe Marler. Oh. I mean, he hasn't even done anything weird over since the restart, has he? But I saw him on telly the other day and I immediately got annoyed <laughs> for, for absolutely no reason, just for previous stuff that he's done. So, yeah. Irrational. Um, well, we managed to stretch that out to 53 minutes. So uh, should we do some any, any other business get out of here? Yeah. Okay, mate. Uh, you go first, then. Um, no, somebody else go first because my mind's gone blank. Go on in, Ben. Okay, I've got two. So um, very quickly, um, Russ, you, you know about this, but my mum's dog... Border Collie decided to do a runner uh, on her birthday, which was nice, and went missing for three nights. Um, so we have found him. Uh, but just a big thank you to everybody, um, locals, tourists, everybody that contributed to looking for him. It was it was quite heartwarming, really, the amount of people that um, put some effort into that. So he's he's back safe and sound. But um, that that was a bit of a worrying weekend. Covered quite a lot of uh, distance on foot. Um, and then uh, also, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask everyone for some money. So um, Sarah, my better half, as uh, she's just finished actually, um, she did three months without um, eating any sugar, um, and she's hoping to raise uh, funds for the motor motor neurone disease charities. Um, so uh, I've got a just giving, which I'll probably tweet out from our account. But uh, yeah, she's done a sponsored three months without sugar, and um, at times. I've been yelled at. I'll level with you. 
<laughs> so uh, if you want to give us some money, please feel free. It's a, it's a good rugby charity, as we know. So uh, I'll, I'll tweet that out later. Yeah, please uh, give generously if you want to, of course. Don't have to. Doug. I mean, I, I, mean, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've obviously been, you know, you've been at the, the sharp end, Ben. So yeah, know, moral you've, support. You've given generously with your time. Um, uh, yeah, without wanting to sound ungrateful, I don't really want to have my temperature taken anymore. <laughs> if I walk out of somewhere or in somewhere and my temperature is 36 degrees or whatever, I go to the toilet, I walk out, and then come back five minutes later, the chances are I haven't contracted COVID, developed symptoms, and had a temperature. Do you know what I mean? Just, I'm fed up of. I, there's some. I, you don't know where to look. Is the worst thing. When somebody comes up with a temperature gun and points it at the middle of your forehead or your temple, where do you look? Do you look at the gun? Do you look at them? Do you sort of look off to the side in a really awkward manner? I just don't know what to do. If anyone's got any sort of advice on where I should look while having a temperature scan done, please let me know. Just look them right in the eye. And just go, just, just do it, just do it. What? Well, just, just whisper COVID really seriously. Yeah. I like Ben's one. Like, like they're gonna, you ain't gonna do it. Just pull the trigger. Yeah. I've had enough. <laughs> I went to, I went to a a bar. I've not been out drinking since pubs and stuff came open, and I, I queued up to get into a bar on Sunday afternoon. Um, that was like all seating. There was nobody else in this bar, but there was a group of eight of us that had gone out to to have a few drinks together. Um, And we rocked up at this bar. There was nobody inside. And I just happened to be at the back of the queue of the eight of us um, waiting to get temperature checked, even though there was nobody else in this bar. And the other three or four bars we've been in previous to that, there was no temperature checking. Um, but I just happened to be stood in the, the queue to get in, in the absolute blazing sunshine as as she kept taking everybody's temperature to the point that by the time I got to the front of the, the front of the queue, I was absolutely melting. And I'm not entirely sure the validity of this temperature gun um, because it said that I was 41 degrees. <laughs> And she said, and she said, uh, yeah, can you just wait there for, for a few minutes, please? I was like, right. Um, well, I'm not ill. I, I've just been stood in direct sunlight. If you've put this thing directly against my head. And then 41 degrees make yes. you dead. Yeah. Well, it would, it would make you very, very seriously ill. Not out having a few drinks with your friends. <laughs> um, oh, you'd be hypothermic, right? If you were 40 degrees. Yeah, yeah. You'd be, you'd be fucked, mate. And I said, are you sure it's not just a problem with your little machine? No, 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 just wait there. And then she did it again two minutes later, and I was, you know, 36.9 or uh, 37. And, um, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, because I've, I've just chilled out by three degrees whilst, uh, whilst I've been stood here for a minute and a half, you absolute fucking wand. <laughs> Why are you even doing it? It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, but I bet, there you that, go. I bet that girl who has... For minimum wage has been and minimal training has been told to 
temperature check everyone that's coming in at great personal risk to herself. Really appreciated all that advice, mate. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't blaming her. It was her equipment and it was, uh, yeah, it was just point, pointless. A bit like, you know, all the other COVID-19 related stuff um, that we're now seeing. But that's a different story. Um, I haven't really got anything else. It was just piggybacking off of Doug's little temperature check. I thought you might enjoy that story. So let's uh, let's go. 59 minutes. It's close enough to an hour. Uh, enjoy some rugby if you're going, if you're going to uh, be watching some on the television. Uh, Doug, where are you this weekend? All over the place? Uh, no, I'm doing Premier League darts all week. And then I'm doing Silverstone Superbikes on Sunday. Um, and then I'm doing... Uh, yes, I'm doing darts all week. I'm actually playing golf tomorrow morning, and then darts. The, the Premier League, the Premier League darts. Are they doing it in one place? Yeah, it's all it's all in Milton Keynes. Yeah, of all the places, um, yeah. I can imagine it would actually. It's actually going to be quite a refreshing change, um, not having people go, oi, oi, oi. Yeah, yeah, it will be. It will be. Um, so yeah, sorry, uh, darts. Then Superbikes, and I'm doing London Irish on the 9th, and then on the 11th, I go up to Manchester for the best part of 10 days. Into a bubble? Uh, yeah, 11th to the 16th on the cricket, and then Superbikes just down the road, 19th, 20th. So uh, I'm going to stay up there, and I'm playing at the Mere. don't know if you've ever heard of the Mere. I have heard of the Mere. Yeah, playing at the Mere on the... 17th or 18th, one of the two. Can't remember. Did I? I told you about my, uh, my, me and my, you obviously know about my, me and my golf video. Um, yeah. I won a competition. Me and my gut. Me and my yeah, gut. you did yes. mention it. Me and my gut, yeah. And then I won a competition on the Saturday after we recorded last. Um, following that lesson, I won and retained a trophy I won last season, which was uh, nice. But none of you will care about that. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, enjoy your rugby. We will be back next week, maybe at some point. Um, loads of fixtures, midweek stuff comes back next week as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network.